Last Sunday, I started talking on the days of heaven. You and I should live in the days of heaven. The Bible says it, that we can have the days of heaven on earth. Now, most people would, would identify their life more as the days of hell on earth because of what they walk through. But the Bible says that we should live in the days of heaven on earth. And so uh, if you'll turn to Deuteronomy 11.21, we're going to kick off on this verse that we, that we read last week. Yeah. That, thank you. That your days may be multiplied. Now, I'm going to break some things down out of this verse. In fact, at the end, it says, as the days of heaven upon the earth. But first, he says that your days may be multiplied. And then he comes back and he says at the end that you, may, you can live as the days of heaven on earth. Now, the, the, the important kicker on this verse is the middle line that says, in the land which I swear unto your fathers to give them. So we have the story here of the Israelites going into the promised land. They are coming out of Egypt, where they have been slaves for 430 years. We know the story. Now, God did not intend them to be in the wilderness for 40 years, but they were in the wilderness for 40 years, and then they went into the promised land. Now, something that we can glean from that is you and I can spend our lives in the wilderness. Be aware of that. You, you have the power to spend your life in the wilderness and not walk in the days of heaven on earth. Now, the, the many people have taught and talked about, there's been old songs, hymns, and stuff like that, that Canaan was heaven. Canaan land, which is the promised land, is not a type of heaven. How do we know this? Because there were giants in the land trying to keep the promise from the people. There's no giants in heaven. There were walled cities, fortified cities. There's no walled cities in heaven, fortified cities in heaven. There was an enemy uh, that was in opposition. They were going to have to go in and possess it. You don't have to go in and possess heaven. Uh, there's no enemies there trying to keep you out. The enemy's down here, it's called the devil, and he's trying to keep you out. So the, the type and foreshadow of this story is coming out of the world, the Babylonian system of the world where toil and having heavy taskmasters of sin and, and the, the different elements of sin, addictions and, and different things that control us. I talked on a Wednesday a couple of weeks ago about oppression and how it causes to control us and in that system. And so what we see here is when the Israelites came out of Egyptian bondage, they also came out with a token of God's power. Remember, they were told to go borrow from all their neighbors, everything like that, and they stripped Egypt of all their wealth. Now, what they were to learn in this is that, from a God standpoint, if you will listen to me, I will show you what I can do. Now, Egypt at the time was the most powerful nation on the earth. It's been a third world country ever since. So, so God stripping them, I mean, he really stripped them for good. And so the Israelites saw that if we will hear and do, that God will do something and make it work. Okay, and then they went into the wilderness and they forgot the lesson 
of coming out of Egypt. Now, have you ever known somebody that got born again? You, you know, you've been a Christian for 5, 10, 15, 20 years, and you're believing God for something. It seems like you're fighting with everything that you've got of faith to, to get this. And then they're like, man, I just prayed and God answered it. And you're like, praise the Lord. How long did that take? Man, it was like 30 minutes or something like that. I, I just prayed and asked God to, to show himself in this, and he did it. And you want to slap him. Well, because God expects us to grow up and walk by faith. And when somebody leaves this world system, he will reveal himself and show himself to them in that if you will listen to me and follow me, I will show you what I can do. Now, the Israelites and in going into the wilderness, they forgot this three days later. Now, remember, they, they, they were backed up against the sea. I'm paraphrasing a lot of scriptures here. They were backed up against the sea. The Egyptian army was coming after them. They're whining and complaining, even Moses. And Moses is crying out to God. And God says, why are you talking to me? Lift up your rod. You do it. Split the sea. So once Moses did that, the sea opened up. They went across on dry ground. Then they saw God kill their enemy. All of them. And man, they started having a party, man. They were dancing and singing and shouting to their God. But after three days, they got thirsty and they started complaining. What did you do? Bring us out here so that we can die of thirst? And, and, and we humans have this disconnect. So then by the time they get down uh, and get over to the promised land to walk in the promises of God, God doesn't expect us to struggle for 40 years or 30 years or 20 years. I should have looked it up that if they would have just went God's way, how long would it take? Maybe a month or something like that. I mean, it was he took them the long way, but uh, but it wasn't really that far. And it's like we're going to go in and do the, the promise land thing now. But they got over there and the, the, man, they're giants. So so there's something that, that tells us in this uh, is that and actually before I get there, well, no, I'll just go there. there. There's three mentalities that we can possess. We can possess an e Egypt mentality, which is the mentality of slavery. Now stop and think about the Egypt mentality uh, for a moment. What is the focus of the people living in Egyptian bondage? It was basically survival mode. We have to toil, we have to labor, we get this par portion of food. We get this thing, and, and this is how it all works. i got to get up tomorrow before the sun comes out so I can be over there so I don't get whipped by this taskmaster, and I can do the work. Oh, my goodness, in the evening, I'm, my back hurts, but they continually make, tell me i got to make these bricks so that we can have food to eat. And they have no perception of going in and having anything because they're slaves. Did you guys see that on the news? I think it was this week. Maybe it was a week before, but uh, a lady that was part of the Charles Manson crew got paroled. And she has to go. She's been incarcerated for 53 years, I think it was, if memory serves me correct. She has to go to a halfway house to relearn how to function in society. Because she was incarcerated for 53 years or somewhere around there. So the incarceration taught her something. How to survive under incarceration, and now being free, she doesn't know how to use, I mean, 53 years ago, there were no cell phones. 53 years ago, there were no computers. 53 years ago, uh, there was no Grubhub. There was no Uber. 
There, there's a lot of things going on in the world right now that, that they did not exist 53 years ago and probably coin-op laundry mats. They probably didn't have those 53 years ago or maybe they were just starting or something like that. And there's a lot of things that, that she doesn't know. Well, the Israelites coming out of Egypt, they're the same way. They don't know how to survive on their own. They, they, they don't know. All they've, been, all they've lived in is somebody telling them what to do and it being pressure upon them to have to do it in order to survive. That was a mentality. But God showed himself alive in their life, says, now we're going to walk through the wilderness. In the wilderness, it taught them something else. It was a get-by life. Now, the, uh, what do I mean by that? Their shoes didn't wear out. Their clothes didn't wear out. Okay, you know, there was food given to them every day, but it was just enough food for today. There's going to be food tomorrow, but there's just enough. We don't have a taskmaster, a slave telling us what to do, but now we're going to have to trust in God to provide, but he was providing the basic needs. And, and they learned how because they, they, they were afraid to go into the promised land, so then they spent 40 years there, and 40 is almost 53 now all they know how to do is survive day to day. So if we, if we translate this, or let's just go to the next step. So then they come to the promised land, and the promised land is a land of more than enough. Most people can't wrap, wrap their minds around more than enough because they're still living in get-by. A large portion of the body of Christ, or those that confess to be Christians, are still living in the wilderness. In the wilderness, you go from place to place. There's a lot of Christians that do that. Now, I know that God does move people from time to time, but if, through a study of the Bible, the majority of what God does and the more, majority of what God says is He wants our roots going deep. He wants us to be planted where He has established us. And, and very few, we live in a transient society right now that does something to our mentality. What is it, a transient uh, mentality? Well, like, like Tammy's father, he lived his whole life. How old was he when he passed away? He was 61 when he passed away. Uh, he lived his whole life within one block of where he's born. Three houses. Lived his whole life. You know, born there, bought a house here. Built a house up here. All, all just right there. That, stayed at, got, out of, got out of high school, went to work for uh, Hill Air Force Base, stayed there for 43. for 43 years. You know, most people don't have 43-year jobs anymore because we have a transient. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just, you got to realize what we live in. We're, we're in a transient mentality. We don't do things long term. That's why over 50% of, uh, of marriages end in divorce, because we have a transient men mentality. This is too hard. I'm going to go over here. Uh, many people are living, leaving California. Many Christians are leaving California because they want to go to someplace that's easier, not realizing the spirit is all over the world. You gotta, why don't you stay and fight? Well, because it's too hard. My taxes are too high, but God said he'll meet your needs. But it's expensive to live here, but God said he'll meet your needs. But you don't know how hard it is, but God said he'll meet your needs. We have, we have a transient mentality that in all of us, including myself, is that there's an underlying thought that I can just leave. If I don't like my job, I can just leave. If I don't like where I live, I can just leave. If I don't like where I worship, I can just leave. 
And so this, this wilderness mentality is a transient mentality because they would go over here, camp out here for a while. Then they'd go over here and camp out here for a while. Then they'd go over here and camp out here for a while. But then God said, I'm going to take you into what we're calling the promised land. Now, there's two elements of this promised land. And remember last week we read out of 1 Corinthians chapter 10 that these people were our examples. And they, they, they were baptized, uh, you know, in, into Moses by the cloud and by the sea. And, and we correlated everything to the spiritual walk. And now God's taking them into to two elements of a place. One is a geographical location because God wants people to grow and be established. In fact, if you study out wealth and the growth of wealth, establishment is the fastest way, which is a slow way, is the fastest way to get there. Most people jump out of this and go into that, jump into this, and you know, the new hot thing, the new hot thing. And they're never in anything long enough to allow it to do what it's supposed to do. So he's going to take them, God has called us all, into a geographic location. There's, there's always been, we can walk through the Bible. God told Elijah, I want you to go over by the book Chernoth. I'm going to take care of you there. I want you now to go over here. I'm going to take care of you there. So we see some movement in there, but it was always designed around God's purpose. Wherever God has you geographically, you should prosper in that place. But the other thing is, is there was a spiritual component to it. He says, I've given you this land. You're going to have to go in and possess it, but I'll do the bigger part. So we have to understand that coming out of, of, uh, of, uh, coming out of the world system, we have two places, we can, three places we can go. We can go back into the bondage. You know, the Bible says that, that uh, a person returns to their vomit or a dog returns to its vomit. We've all done that once or twice in our life, right? We've done stupid. We got away from stupid, and then we went back. It's because we don't close the door on that vomit. There's always the option of going back. See, as long as there's an option of going back, of leaving, of transferring, of what, the enemy's going to get involved and help you. Because he knows the more transient that we are, either in our, our spirituality or in the solidness of our life, the less we can walk in the things of God. And so he wants us... God wants us in the promised land. So going back to our verse here, in verse uh, 21, it says that your days may be multiplied in the days of your children in the land which I swear unto your fathers to give them as the days of heaven on earth. So in this place, as the days of heaven on earth, God's promises manifest. This is the in Christ, New Testament words, in him, in Christ. He watches over this arena of where he's at. So uh, when we, we studied this out last week in 2 Peter chapter 1, that he has given us that being he's given us all things pertaining to life and God, godliness. But just because he's given them to us, we have not possessed them yet. Because he's given us divine health. But people struggle possessing it. He's given us all sufficiency in all things that we may abound to every good work, but people struggle possessing it. Our children are an inheritance to us, but people struggle keeping the kids right and the kids walking right. 
See, there's a lot of arenas where there's a struggle where God has already conquered the struggle through Jesus Christ. Now, go to verse 23. Then the Lord will drive out all these nations before you. So in this promised land, the devil controlled it. Or the enemies of God controlled it. Right? Then the Lord will drive out these nations from before you. So they're going to have to repossess what God had given to them. So now there's going to be two parts of this that takes place is a God side and, and a man side, which is the same thing for you and I. God has given it, but it's held by somebody else. Do you know who God has given California to? His children. But somebody else is possessing it. Making laws to kill babies. Doing all sorts of weird, weird things to our children. But God's given it to us. How come we don't possess it? Well, because we start thinking, well, who am I? What can I do? I mean, I don't know what to do. I mean, you got this whole government thing called the state of California and, and everything like that. I, I got no clue what to do. So then we diminish ourselves in our ability to do what God said. God said that, that that was the problem with the Israelites when they went in the first time and they looked and he said, yeah, there's big grapes over there, but there's big people over there too. And they got big swords and, and, and they know how to fight. We don't know how to fight. And they got big walls. And I never dealt with a wall before. I don't know how to deal with a wall. I mean, I, I'm going totally off of memory right now, but it seems like I read one time that the walls around Jericho were wide enough that they could have like two chariots go by, you know, for patrolling it. That's like horses, chariots, army. And, and it wasn't just that there was only two on there. They probably had multiple because it was a defense mechanism. I, I, I don't know how to deal with that. I got no money. Everything costs money. Have you noticed that? Everything costs money. I don't have enough money to make a difference. Um, um, I, I doubt I'm smart enough. And so in the wilderness and in Egypt, the, the, the focus of attention turns on self. How do I just survive? How do I get what I want? But God doesn't want us there. He wants us to possess the land. So he says, let's go back to our verse. Then the Lord will drive out all these nations from before you, and you shall possess greater nations mightier than yourself. So what God, you have to understand what's being said here, what God has placed for you and me to obtain is bigger than what we are. Translation, let me make it easier. You ain't got the skill set. You ain't got the know-how. You don't have the financial resources. You ain't nothing compared to what he wants to do and what he set before us. But now I got to look at how do I how do I operate? Do I operate with an Egypt mentality? Do I operate with a wilderness mentality or do I operate with a promised land mentality? God says that he will drive out all these nations. So now it comes back to what God will do, but they're going to have to show up. They're, they're, they're going to have to um, they're going to have to play a part in this. 
Every place where on the soles of your feet, verse 24, shall tread shall be yours. Now, if you've got a, a, a lazy boy, Christianity, you, you ain't, well, I, I sit my lazy boy all day long and I pray and ask God to do this and that for me. You got what the soles of your feet, wherever the, where on the soles of your feet shall tread shall be yours. What you decide to go and take, that's what we're going to do. So notice how God left a portion up to the people. How big of an area do we want to take? Do we just want this little corner in the corner of glory land? An old song. Or do I want to possess everything? So now just, just think about your mentality for a moment and how big. Remember Ephesians 3.20 says, And God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Where is your thinking? So like, like if I, you know, everybody needs more money. If I were to ask you, how much more money do you need? Most people say, well, you know, if I could make $5,000 a year more, that'd be great. Or if I could get $10,000 a year more, that'd be great. But what could you do, real, realistically, what could you do with five dollars or $10,000 more a year? Virtually nothing. It goes like that. Now, you might be able to, and what most people do is they, they increase their spending up to what they're making. So most people will be in the same position they're in today, get the $10,000 a year or more, and then within two or three years, they'll be in the exact same position where I need more money. But what if you say, if I'm going to do something, th this land, California is mine, Tulare County is mine, City of Visalia is mine, and we need to bring Jesus into the arena where I live. Now, let's say you, God gives you an idea to start some kind of movement, kind of do something, but it's going to take $100,000 to just get it off the ground. Now you need to increase your, your, what you need by 100000 Now that goes beyond most people's mind because they have a wilderness, a just-get-by mind, or a, an Egypt mentality of only what they can, can garner is what they can have. But God says, I will do it for you. But see, once you get your focus on something bigger and a bigger purpose, the sufficiency for your needs is already there. Most people are focused on trying to make their life better, but they're going no direction with it. The Lord, I, then the Lord will drive out these nations uh, from before you, and you shall uh, possess greater nations and mightier than yourself. Every place where on the soles of your feet shall tread shall be yours. From the wilderness and Lebanon, from the river and the river Euphrates, even unto the uttermost sea shall your coast be. What, look at this in verse 25. There shall no man be able to stand before you. Now, do you believe that? Really? What are, you, what are you trying to possess? Because if no man will be able to stand before you, then there's no fear of pursuing something greater than where you're at today. What am I talking about, the days of heaven on earth? Let's go back to our little, little quiz. Will there be lack in heaven? So if I have the days of heaven on earth, will there be lack on earth? Will there be identity issues in heaven? Then if I have the days of heaven, am I going to get over my identity issues? Boy, you hear the volume? It's like, no, because I'm not good enough. Really? It's not about you. It's about God. God said, all I need you to do is believe and step up. And let me do, being God, let me do the rest of it. 
But people, people are so people are living in such fear right now of the different things going on in the earth. Why? Because they really don't believe what God has said. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Do you realize that David's mighty men, his 400, when they came to him at the cave of Abdullah, the Bible says that they were broke, distressed. Do you remember the other words? Right, something like that. I mean, these are a bunch of broken people, misfits, that became David's mighty men. That one man slew 800. See, now, now you back up, you rewind the story before the cave of Adullam. He never imagined himself killing 800 people. He probably didn't even know if he could fight. But when he encountered God in the cave of Adullam and made David the captain over his life and started doing what David said, now he was empowered to do things that he never thought because God was going to be with him. Do you understand that that can happen for you and me? The days of heaven on earth. We started this in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, which, which connected the two. Go back and listen to last Sunday's. But God wants you and I to be in a place where we possess the promises that, that are resident within him. There shall no man be able to stand be, uh, before you. For the Lord your God shall lay the fear of you. Now, did he say the fear of God on them? The fear of who? Do you know that you and me can be such a person that God <coughs> will lay a fear on people of us if they try to come against us? And the dread of you upon all the lands that you, say that's me, that's me. shall tread upon as he hath said unto you. So now he's laying out in here what you and I can look like, operate like in the land, <clears throat> in him, in the promises that he's laid out for us. Now, his promises do not operate outside of in him, <clears throat> outside of this place. So, so, so we either possess it or we don't. And this is where many people deceive themselves because they'll say things like, can't think of something they say. Well, I know the Bible. Well, does the Bible work for you? Well, yes, because I'm born again. Okay, but are you possessing the promises of the Bible? Well, what do you mean? Well, do you have a stand against sickness and disease? Huh? Or, or Tammy was actually talking to a person one time, and uh, their son was going over to fight. Uh, he was in the military, and they, he was being shipped out like on the front lines or something like that, of um, a Desert Storm, I think it was, wasn't it? Uh, when you talked about praying Psalms 91. I think it goes back to all the way. Iraqi oh, maybe the Iraqi war. But one of these places. And uh, twice, well, well, first she's talking to, this person goes to church. I won't mention the church, but the person goes to church. And Tammy says, well, why don't you just pray Psalms 91 over him? And she's like, huh? Just pray Psalms 91 over him. Well, what does that mean? 
Well, the Bible says in Psalms 91, he gives his angels charge over to keep you in all your ways, lest you dash your foot against the stone. You can pray this prayer of protection on him. The angels will be over him, and be, he'll be protected. Nothing will happen to him, even though he's in the heart of the war. And I think it was two times the person standing next to him was picked off by a sniper. But not him. But here's a lady, Tammy had to school her, show her how to pray, the Psalms 91, but then she prayed and kept that prayer over him and protected him and kept him alive. He came home safe, right? Yeah, came home safe. Okay, but, but it, is the Word of God working for you? Uh, Sam gave the testimony uh, last week about, and, and, and she talked about how they pray Psalms 91 over their family. And that car passed him right here on 198 and uh, went up the bank, flipped over, and the car flew over their car and did not touch them. And she showed a picture. Man, that car was really racked up. Did, did it kill the person or did they live? Oh, okay. And, uh, but it didn't touch them. Is the word of God working for you? See, we, we, can, we can say, because in the promised land, it worked for them. Everything that God said, once they, once they pursued to go in, it worked for them. They saw God's hand manifest. So, so when it comes to money, do we have enough money to do everything we need? Or is it constantly a short battle? Because God said that we could have all sufficiency in all things, that we could abound to every good work. So not only enough to live, Second Peter, we read this last week, that he's given us all things pertaining to life and godliness. So not only do we have the resources to take care of our family and live the life we're believing for, but we have more than enough that we can do good things with it. We should live in this realm. Uh, I've used the guy that owns this, this building several times, Johnny. He, 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 he loves the city. He has that World War II memorial out there on Mooney Boulevard. They're redoing it right now. Uh, it's just a wall, like before it was a wall with a big mural on it, remembering those that fought in World War II and stuff like that. You know how much that cost him? I mean, I don't remember. He told me one time. I think he said it was over 100000 Yeah, that sounds right. Like over $100,000 to just leave something here in Visalia? See, that's, that's having more than enough so that you can abound to every good work. Now, there was nothing spiritual about that, but he's a man that has more than enough that he can abound to every good work. Do you know he can walk down to the city of Iseli, walk in there, and get audience with whoever he wants? Because they know him. They know him by name. He kicked the utility service off this property because he didn't like what they were doing. Uh, most people would think that the utility company has all the power and they couldn't do anything. He kicked them off. They said, uh, you can't do that. He says, I'm doing it. You get to, off of here or I'm going to, uh, he doesn't really uh, talk Christian. But, um, uh, and, uh, you know, and he explained to them in certain terms of what, what, and they left. And they didn't come back on. The city said he couldn't do something in laying the cement in here to do it. He did it anyway. Do you know why? Because there's authority with his money. Because he, has, he, he will sue the city. He's told, they, they know that. I will pay, because it's on principle, I will pay my attorneys to fight you and, and make you do this. We wouldn't do that because attorneys cost too much. Most people won't even consult an attorney for an answer on a, a serious question. They'll just uh, go by the seat of their pants and see if it works out. Why? Because why are you going to pay somebody $300 an hour? Man, $300 is a lot of money. Because we live in a wilderness mentality. Just enough to get by. 
He doesn't want us to live this way, and he doesn't want you staring at me the way you're staring at me because you're making me uncomfortable. <laughs> now, in verse 26, he says, Behold, I set before you this day blessing and curse. He didn't make this hard. You and I have the option to live in the empowerment of God or in the failure system of curse. God says, I've said, choose, make a decision. Which one do you want to do? I've said before you a blessing and cursing. A blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord. Remember when they were coming out of Egypt, he says, if you will do this, go and borrow. They did it. They saw the hand of God operate. We've got to do what he says, and he will perform what he says. So go to Joshua chapter 6. Now, they're going to go into, I've given a lot of history. You can go back and study this out on the, the events, but I've given you a lot of history of what's happening. But now Moses is gone. The 40-year uh, people are dead. Uh, the new generation is up. Joshua is now in place, and they're going to go in, and they're going to take the land. The first place they're going to go to is Jericho. In chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. Now, I want you to notice two things here. The devil does not want to give up anything he controls. Shutting up the city is fortifying it in a defensive maneuver against the battle that lies ahead. They know the Israelites are coming. So they buttoned all the doors, closed all the windows. They got their, their chariots up on the, the rooftop. It's straightly shut up. But why is it shut up? Shut up? Because of the children of Israel. So now, now look at this from a very natural standpoint of the progression of what happened. The Israelites are going on the word of God to go take the promise. The promise fortifies itself against them. Don't get confused about when, you, when you're going after to possess something and it doesn't look like it's working. Of course, the enemy doesn't want you to walk into it. He's going to set himself against you. But God has already said it was yours. And Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. They're, they're buckling down for battle. But watch this in verse 2. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given into thy hand Jericho. Would you have scratched your head here? It's like, they're all buttoned up. I, I'm not seeing this. Okay, now this, this word see in the Hebrew means understand, reveal, look, examine, inspect. God's like, Joshua, Joshua, just look. I've given you that land. Do you see that they're all buttoned up? You, you see how they're all fortified against you because of you? They're all like ready for war against you. See, I gave it to you. Huh? No, no, no. Look, look, look. Inspect. Pay attention. Look at Jericho over there. It's all fortified because of you. Look what I've done. See? No, see? When it looks like it's all buttoned up against you, know this. It's because of you. Now, our problem is because we haven't renewed our minds, according to Romans 12, too. We are still operating in a wilderness mentality or a, 
and uh, slavery mentality, we say, it'll never happen for me. They're fighting against me. And God's saying, no, it's because of you that they're, they're positioning themselves. It's because of you. It's because you're going in to possess what I have given you. And they're, they're trying to keep you out. And the only thing they know is to put up a guard against you. But, oh, this is going to be fun. And then God gets this really cool plan. Go walk around it. Why do they shoot arrows at us? Because we have a failure mentality. We have a problem mentality. Well, what's that going to do? No, God says, if you will just do what I'm saying to do, he says, everything's going to happen. See, have I not given into thine hand Jericho and the king thereof and the mighty men of valor? See, see there's something that has to get down on the deep side of us. This California is ours. You say, there's not enough people here to, to take Goshen. No, 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 no. It's a promise. This California is ours. This Tulare County is ours. This city of Visalia is ours. You should be, as you drive around, you should look at buildings, look at business, say, that's mine. That's mine. And start expanding your mind and your thinking process. I can own that. I can do that. God, you show me. Give me wisdom. What is, which, which pathway do you want me to go? Where is my promise in this land? You show me and I'll go show up. Thank you, Tammy. Get over here with the family. Maybe, this, maybe they'll support me. But they had to go in to possess it. Nobody likes showing up. So there's always an us part. There's always a God part. They had to, God didn't walk around the, the city. They did. God didn't show up. They did. God gave the possession. I've already given it to you. It's yours. A mother, you have right now enough money to be prosperous and overcome inflation. You may not possess it, but you, it's been given to you. You right now have divine health. Now, you may be sick. You just haven't possessed it. You have my peace I leave with you. You have his peace. Now, you may be anxious. You may be battling depression. You may be battling a lot of disturbing things. Just because, but, but his peace has been given to you. You just haven't possessed it yet. How bad do you want what he's given to you? That's a question that we have to come down because we're doing and obtaining what we really want. Now look at verse 16. And it came to pass at the seventh time, when the priest blew the trumpet, Joshua said unto the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city! Pause. Are the walls still up? When, when you haven't seen the walls fall yet, can you shout victory? How many has something right now that they need God to do to break you through to the next level so you can get someplace? Okay, now, can you shout like it's yours? Thank you. Okay, now, now that was a shout. But you know how many people are like, praise God. 
Yes, I, I, I'll receive that, Pastor. Hallelujah. So, so now, how many here has something they need God to break through so you can get to the next level of, of an arena of what you're believing for, what you want God to do in your life? Could you shout for it like you, you, it was yours? Now, in that shout, do you see that it's yours? Because right now, when this happened, what the Israelites see momentarily is a walled city that's fortified against them. But they've come to a place where they can see it in here. That's mine. That's mine. God said, if I'll show up, if I'll prepare, if I will put myself in place, that he will bring down the walls that are keeping me from everything that I can walk in. I'll just be a testament. There's a lot of things right now. It looks like there's walls around it. But I got to see beyond the walls. But you on yourself and in your own life, you know, and it's a lot easier to believe for the church to do something for you as an, for, than for you as an individual to do something. It's like when somebody needs, I, I, if I've heard it once, I've heard it a hundred times in 25 years of ministry. I don't know why, but it's so easy for me to pray and believe somebody gets healed, but I can't believe it for myself. It's like it's easy because you're in pain. You can't feel their pain. You got all faith going. In your mind, you're battling what you're feeling while you're trying to believe. You've got to be able to see yourself healed, see yourself whole, see yourself walking through. You've got to be able to see yourself as having more, to, more than enough when you have nothing. Because God has already, through Jesus Christ, on that cross, He has given us all things pertaining to life and godliness. Everything is fixed. All we got to do is possess it. Now, what happened in, in our example? They were told the promise. If you don't know this, you're never going to walk in it. If you don't know what was promised to you, how, how, how are you even going to set yourself to receive it? You've got to know this. You've got to know what has been promised. He told them, there's a land I've given to you. I'm going to take you over to it, and you're going to go possess it. So he told them what was theirs. He instructed them on what to do. He's instructed us on what to do. All we got to do is do what he said, and it will work. Number three, they moved forward to possess it. A lot of people are waiting for everything to line up so they can possess it. No, you move forward. As you move forward, things start coming in line. Now, this I've learned from, from experience. I've noticed because I've done both. When you sit and wait, it never happens. When you move forward, things start happening. How are they going to happen? I have no idea how it works, but it's amazing how when you move forward, things start happening. They moved forward and they moved into a position. They shouted victory when it didn't make sense. You've got to be shouting victory. You've got to receive it. And then God did his part. Now go to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 30. Let's jump back over here to the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 30. Man, where does the time go? Hebrews 11 and 30, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. So we know now that when they went in, uh, after they had compassed uh, about seven days. So when they went in, we know they went in by faith or with an expectation that the walls would fall and they would possess. So you can't like just now I would I would. I would glean to say that in the shouting we just did, some shouted just because I was talking about shouting and other people were shouting and, and they, they still can't see it happening. Others, it probably broke something through. And no, I, I, can, I can visualize this and see God doing it. If you can't see it, shouting was not the key. By faith, the walls fell. The shout came 
from an expectation that as I do what God says, God is going to do what He said. There's a, there's a high... Faith is the substance of things hoped for. My expectation, the hope for, is going to happen because of my faith. So, so we go back into this arena of where we stand. And that standing is based on our thinking. And, and I, it may not make sense to you, believe me. You either got any Egypt, a wilderness, or a promised land mentality. And, and I, can, I can tell you what it is just listening to you talk a little bit. Because from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And you will speak according to what you believe. You will speak according to what you believe. Now, this is where I come back to. We do this wrong. We're praying and asking God to do things he's already done. God, give me some more money. I need more money. He's already given it to you. You're wasting your time. He that was rich became poor that you might be rich. End of story. Go possess it. Lord, heal me. He's already healed you. By his stripes, you're healed. He took, he took stripes on his back to heal you. Quit praying to be healed. Quit praying to be healed. Yeah, go possess the healing. Now, the Bible does say, if there's any sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church, and they'll pray the prayer of salvation, deliverance of that which is it. If you don't have the faith to get it, then yeah, get, get in touch with somebody else's faith that can now speak to the problem and deal with it. But we've got to go in and possess. And the only way you and I are going to go into possess is we see it as ours. Somebody is occupying your property. Now, if, if you walked outside and you saw your car going down the road, I, I'm guessing, I could be wrong, but I'm guessing that you're confident enough and have an identity as such that you would call 911 and tell them somebody else is driving your car. Because it's yours. But how come we don't do that with the word of God? When somebody else is living in our house, when somebody else is driving our car, when somebody else is possessing our money, when somebody else is possessing something else that God gave to us, how come we don't see that, that, that God didn't give that to you, God gave that to me? Say, so, well, they worked hard for it. See, we're too nice nowadays. Back in the Old Testament, they killed people. I'm not advocating that. <laughs> But they recognized if you possess something that's mine, I'm going to go back and get it. When, when they came and, and took all the, the, the wives and the kids at Ziklag and took all their stuff, David went before the Lord. If I go fetch them, will you give them to me in my hands? Yes. He went and he slaughtered them. There was no two ways about it. It wasn't like, well, they need some stuff too. No, he took their stuff. He took the spoils. Go to Ephesians chapter 6. How do we do this? I quoted the scripture earlier. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You and I are going to have to bring ourselves where our confidence in God and what he said he cannot lie. And that he said that if we go in to possess it, that he will do uh, and, and cause uh, things that are mightier and greater than us to, be, to run away from us and that we can possess it. If I can believe him, if I can be strong in him, the power of his might. Now, this verse right here is not for Egypt thinker or wilderness thinkers. Because you'll never be strong in his might when you have a, a wilderness mentality. We have to look at how we think. What, 
What can you have on this earth? What is the limits of what you can have on this earth? Whatever you can believe for. And you can only believe what you can see happening in your life. What can God have? Anything his children will go. I mean, the earth is his. He's just got a lot of bunch of heathens uh, controlling everything that's his. He wants his kids to stand up and take authority. When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked bear rule, the people mourn. But the righteous aren't standing up. We didn't do it when they took prayer out of school. We didn't do it when abortion became a law. Roe v. Wade, praise God, it was overturned. We didn't do it on many different occasions where wickedness was, was proposed into this world and we didn't stand against it. And right now, as they continue to try to steal Christian rights, Christian values, most Christians are still not doing anything. Why? Because they're in the wilderness just trying to make life work. To be strong is a faith statement. I'm going to be strong in him is a faith statement. I believe what he said, and I'm going to rely on his strength to manifest in this thing. I will position myself, but expect God for the outcome. He's, even if I'm standing against something mightier than me, Ephesians 3.20 says that, that he will do exceedingly abundantly above all that I can ask or think. Quit being limited by the limitations of your mind and what you think. Quit trying to make it fit into what you think. God, what do you have for me? What do you want me to do? Don't be afraid of the answer. Because it's not just get by. Most people are more concerned about their, their career journey than they are their Christian journey. Most people are more concerned about their vacation than their Christian journey. Let's close on this, Ephesians 1.3. Just a couple pages back. One, three. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. You are already blessed in Him. You don't, you're not lacking anything. All you got to do is get in Him. How do I get in Him? Do what He says. Go into His Word, find out what He says, do it. You're in Him. Your, your enemy's defeated, so quit looking at the enemy. Most, a lot of Christians are more devil-focused than they are God-focused. Well, you know what the devil's doing? Quit giving him praise. I won't even give him credit, even if he did do something. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's blessed. He is the manifestation of blessing. Who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings and heavenly places in Christ. You and I are blessed in him with the same blessing he is blessed with. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. Just get back in him. You're blessed. You don't need somebody to bless you. Operate in him. Let's stand. We've got to break free of the Egypt and wilderness mentality. That's why Romans 12, too, I quote it so often. Be not conformed to this world. Quit doing it the way this world does it. That's an Egyptian system. But be transformed where you can walk into the promised land through the renewing of your mind. 
Over in Ephesians chapter 5, he starts talking about the washing when he says, I'm going to present to myself a, a church without spot or wrinkle. It is washed with the word of God. I've got to allow this word to wash me, to change the way I think, to change the way I look at it. Even though God told the first generation Israelites, I've given this to you. You can go in and possess it. Joshua and Caleb came back and said, we are well able. They just could not see what Joshua and Caleb said. And so they defaulted down into a wilderness mentality, an Egyptian mentality, and they went and wandered around until they died. This cemetery over here is full of people, Christian people that never fulfilled the purpose God had for their life. They go to heaven? Yeah, probably. Were they nice people? Yeah, most likely. Some were a little edgy, but you know, most of them were. Uh, why didn't they fulfill it? Because it was given to them. It's just they didn't go possess it. Too many people are waiting for God to do something when God's waiting for the person to do something. If the Israelites never showed up at Jericho, the wall would have never failed, even though the power to, to knock the wall down was, was resident. Jesus, uh, when Jesus was preaching, he said the, the uh, power to heal was present, but he could do no mighty work because of their unbelief. People stopped Jesus from healing because they could not believe. What, 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 what did they do that was so, so bad? They looked at him and said, don't we know his brothers and sisters? They minimized him. God does not remember, we, we did, dealt with it last time. This land that you're going into doesn't work the way the land that you came out of works. I'm the one that provides the increase. You just show up and do what I say. If I'm failing in walking in the abundance, understand it's a me problem. That applies to you too. Amen. But I'm doing everything I know. You've got wrong information. Well, 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 my opinion counts. No, it doesn't. Not at all. Like one person said that uh, opinions are like armpits. Everybody has a couple and they typically stink. <laughs> Get over yourself. What did God say about it? If you will allow God to do if you will allow God's word to dictate how you operate, you will walk in what God said. Now, that doesn't mean without opposition, the enemy is going to fortify the city against you. But look, see, it was given to you. It's how you see it. Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, for your word. God, open the eyes of our understanding. Lord, we're living way below. We're living way below what you've given to us. Lord, you've given us this state because you put us in the state. Lord, we have the power and the authority that if we will show up, that if we will do, God, what you want us to do, Lord, this, this state, the darkness of the state will fall. And as Azusa Street revealed the power of your spirit, we can have another revival, Lord, with your spirit in the state, in this county, in the city. God, we've got to be willing. We've got to be willing. Lord, we've got to understand it's better for us. What you've given to us is far greater than, than what we can obtain on our own. Lord, I, I don't know why our, our flesh tries to dominate us so much that we think that, that it's going to cost us money. When you said, I'll, I'll give you everything it costs and plus some. And uh, why we think that it's going to cost us time. But the time in it is like more valuable than the time that we do something else. God, help us to see this. Help us to walk in this. Help us to understand this, God, that we will walk in the purposes and the power of everything, God, that you have. God, I pray this, this message does not fall on deaf ears, but it stirs something inside of us, Lord, that we will walk in your provision, your power, in Jesus' name.
Amen.